there are 36 million adults in America who could find better jobs, career satisfaction, and financial opportunity by completing their post-secondary education. The Graduate Network has proven that these adults, including those with multiple barriers, can finish what they started and find the path to more fulfilling lives, careers, and economic well-being. Today on the show, I will have Bridget Strickler, who is the Director of Network Engagement for the Graduate Network and the co-primary investigator of Bridging the Talent Gap. And I will also have Hadash Sheffer, who is the President of the Graduate Network. Join me today on Reboot as we have solution-driven conversations about the pathway to degree completion by Bridget Strickler and Hadash Sheffer from the Graduate Network and myself. Thanks for tuning in. You're now listening to Reboot Higher Ed. Very uh, grateful for the opportunity uh, to meet or not to meet, but to interview Bridget Strickler, who is the director of network engagement for the Graduate Network, and the uh, and I'll say this right, Bridget, correct me if I'm wrong, the co-investigator of bridging the talent gap, and then Hadash Sheffer, who is the president of the Graduate Network, and uh, we're going to speak today about the Graduate Network and uh, learn a little bit about what they do, why it matters, um, who's involved, and what the future holds. So. Bridget, I'm going to kick it off with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself professionally and how you've come to this position. And, you know, give us a little uh, preview of, uh, you know, what a uh, director of network engagement does and then also uh, bridging the talent gap and your role with that. Sure. Thanks for having us, Paul. This is exciting. Um, So... My, my, the way I landed here with the graduate network is um, you know, sort of a, I guess it wasn't a, a linear, you know, shot to the graduate network. Um, you know, I started my career um, as a high, actually as a high school uh, social studies teacher and a field hockey coach. And wow. um, <laughs> so that was, uh, you know, back in the early 90s. And then um, I found myself working and really drawn to sort of the underserved population um, in the high school uh, where I was teaching. Um, And we uh, worked with, um, you know, what were at the time called at-risk students. And so it was a dropout prevention program. And I really loved that work. Um, And eventually um, ended up in uh, adult education, I think. Um, as a result of sort of my, you know, my passion for uh, working with, um, you know, people who were just uh, slipping through the cracks um, in education. And then um, from there, um, I got uh, involved in a program that was at, uh, run out of our Chamber of Commerce in Louisville um, at the time called Degrees at Work. And it was really about getting um, more working adults who had stopped out of college uh, to return and complete their degree. And um, that really just uh, captured, uh, I guess, I don't know, it was very inspirational to me to think about, uh, you know, we call it, you know, moving the needle on education attainment, but, it was a time in my life where I was uh, really looking for 
I guess uh, the the phrase is an on an encore uh, career or second act career uh, was nearing uh, a you know empty nest time uh, personally, and so um, I really um, you know I just really leaned into wanting to make something um, of of both my myself, but also of uh, you know helping other people you know, fulfill their dreams. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I went back and I, I got, I had a master's in education. And so I thought I, I really need to, to look at going back to school myself. So I, I enrolled in a master, an MBA program, which was a different world for me. And so I really, um, in this work, the, the other piece of what I do with a network is really at the intersection of how um, employers, how, how the business world intersects with the education world. And so, you know, that's kind of how I got here. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great. I, I find it very interesting. A lot of, a lot of us uh, have many different pathways and it's uh I think it's 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 very unique. Everyone's a little bit unique in how they how they come to work, especially work with an underserved population. And uh, I think our own stories kind of play into part of our why of you know why we're drawn to that. So that's that's great. So I know we have Hadash on here, the president of the Graduate Network, and love to to know about your uh, trajectory into the Graduate Network and uh, learn a little bit more about. Um, uh, present state of the graduate network as well, and uh, some things that you all are working on. Thanks, Paul. Uh, thanks for for having me on your podcast, um, and uh, I hope uh, um, I hope it it succeeds. I've I've heard the first couple episodes, and I think you're uh, doing you're filling a much much needed space um, in you. higher education uh, by promoting uh, good work that is being done with with adults who want to finish or advance in, in higher education. Um, like Bridget, um, I came to graduate by way of a lot of zigzags uh, and, and finding you know, my own truth and my own path uh, and passion. Um, I trained as a formal linguist, fully intending to have a career as a university professor. I tried that for a while, uh, didn't quite like the repetition, the sleepy faces. Um, I then um, taught some um, adult students uh, at Penn in what was called the College for General Studies. And I realized that I loved um, teaching adults. Um, they came ready with questions. They were eager to learn. They had no time to waste very, very practical about the use of their time, which I love. Um, not, you know, I, I do believe that, um, that post-secondary education is a time to explore yourself when you're young, but I also appreciate that when you're um, a little bit older, um, you, you don't have that time. You, you want to drive faster, deeper. Um, and so I, I gained that understanding and I, I realized that my trajectory as, as a young faculty member was not really where, where I wanted to be. So I left and I tried um, 
the business world for a while. I worked in a high-tech company, um, developed databases, developed all kinds of products. Um, realized that I had probably gone a little too far into the business environment. Uh, and then I went to work for a foundation that was trying to help people with advanced degrees in the humanities find jobs for themselves, careers for themselves um, outside of academe. Um, and that, that, was, that was my sweet spot, and, you know, merging, um, merging the, the two. Um, and I did that for about five years until it dawned on me, um, reading a series of articles and, and noting what people were doing in my hometown of Philadelphia, that there are a lot of people who dropped out of, um, of college and had nowhere uh, to go when they wanted to return. And they were kind of stuck in, in bad jobs, low-paying jobs, because they didn't have that credential. And so I spoke with um, a couple of university professors um, in the area, and they said, yeah, nobody's really, you know, concerned with that. Nobody's really thinking about that. What would your thoughts be? And I spoke with the foundation I was at and some other big foundations, and they said, yeah, you know, these people generally have failed, so why would we throw good money after bad? And I thought, well, that's that's not what I'm seeing. That's not what I saw when I taught uh, students. I saw people who really wanted to um, to finish, who really wanted to get ahead, but life got in the way, or even institutional policies got in the way. Um, and I thought, well, somebody has to do that. And so I looked around. I interviewed close to 100 people across the country, and they all came back with the same answer. Well, nobody's doing it, so why don't you? And that's how we started Graduate Philadelphia. At first focused solely on, on Philadelphia, and we built it as a community-based uh, endeavor. Um, this builds on my background from home. My parents were very community-oriented. I'd spent many years um, doing community work, and also my understanding working at the foundation with people who are looking for work outside of academe that there are um, there are a lot of places uh, where you can draw uh, resource, resources from, and but no one is no one is doing that to help adults who stopped out of college, um, and so that was the model for Graduate Philadelphia. Let's collect all the resources that people need. Let's treat them as adults. Uh, we call them comebackers because this all started in Philadelphia, and, and Rocky making his comeback is a big deal here, and resonates well. Um, all right. When you say uh, the the resources, and so you, you definitely filled a niche that was there, and it was not being the population wasn't being served. What's been your experience with so when you've gone to others and talked about the, this need? Um, have you seen have you seen a change in the way the comebackers are viewed um, over the years, or has it very much stayed the same? I think that in the 15 years that I've been doing this work, it's it's become um, it's become okay. People can step forward and say, "I didn't finish for whatever reason," uh, and they're not judged uh, or not mm -hmm. judged as harshly. Uh, I'd like to think that they're not judged. That people that we as a community um, are now facing forward in, instead of facing back. 
right? Thinking, okay, there's potential here. Obviously, employers, and Bridget can talk about this, and I hope she does, about the potential for employers, but there's also the potential for self-growth. There's the potential mm -hmm. to reach across generations. We know that if an adult, usually it's a mother or, or a grandmother who is younger, um, finishes a degree, all the children in the family are now no longer first generation. They all have a resource right at home uh, to help them get not only through high school, but start planning for college early, understanding what college means, and, and knowing how to get through college. So we see this as a multi-generational um, uh, mechanism to lift up entire communities. We see that, that um, people come to the various graduate, uh, graduate network um, centers, and there are about 30 of them all across the country now, they, they come um, and they, want, they don't want anyone doing stuff for them. They want to understand uh, all the hidden places where money can be. They want to understand what the culture is that they're going to step into back in college. They want to understand how to navigate. And they want someone at their back. Uh, some people say it's like having you know, a big sister in your corner. She's not going to tell you what to do, um, but when you're down, she'll help you analyze uh, what your options are, she'll brush you off, maybe give you a pat or a hug. And, and that's what we intend, intended to do. Now, we also work with colleges, uh, and we work with employers, as Bridget will say, but with the colleges, we are um, the advocates for the adults. And we can point out uh, and share among colleges, and this is the beauty of the network, that there are colleges in the network, there are employers in the network, and the colleges can learn from each other what really works to increase adult college completion. Bridget, would you like to add to that? With I know with bridging the talent gap um, and the employers that are involved as well and, and what you, the opportunities that you're seeing and some of the successes that you're seeing? Yeah, well, with bridging the talent gap, uh, what we do is we, you know, work in the, in the communities where uh, generally where we also have uh, graduate uh, network centers as as hadas referred to and we um find those employers who are ready to support their employees to go back to school and that might sound uh really uh simple and trite uh but um actually in the real world employers aren't necessarily or haven't been thinking that way but i i, I really think that's uh the tide is turning on that, you know, with a lot of uh, a national attention, you know, to some large employers, uh, you know, Starbucks and the uh, Arizona State uh, Partnership, you know, that started maybe three or four years ago now. But um, other companies have followed suit, uh, McDonald's and Walmart among them. Um, in, in recent uh, months, but uh, really um, the uh, employer ecosystem in any community is not just made up of, you know, those large employers. It's made up of lots of sm small and medium-sized employers. And so these small and medium-sized employers are hearing about um, how large employers are benefiting from um, having these education programs, um, and they're 
starting to think about how they could do the same thing in their company. So especially in, you know, the current uh, labor market situation, we have low unemployment. Um, employers are still having difficulty making hires. So they're really having to look internally to how do we um, grow our talent inside our organization. And one way they can do that is to look at their education benefits programs. So thinking about things like how can I make my tuition benefit more uh, more user-friendly for my employees, for example. Uh, so a lot of companies Do you think that have, tuition, uh, reimburse, tuition yeah. reimbursement policies sometimes are have gone uh, maybe not explained as well or the access to them is even though we know that they're there and I know that uh, yeah that that I don't really know how to utilize them oh and then also most the definitely navigation. yeah okay yeah can, so can I, well, go ahead just all that with the fact that it's called a tuition reimbursement and not tuition payment up front is a problem mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't have the money to front and then wait for reimbursement. So I think we need to look at really clever institutions, for example, like Pierce College in Philadelphia, where they call it a tuition reimbursement program, but they you don't pay anything to the college up front. You pay about halfway, uh, the employer starts paying about halfway through um, when all the major red flags are, are gone. So you're, you've cleared through the major red flags, right? The drop ad period, you're doing well, all your assignments are okay. Um, and that's when Pierce College charges the employers, which gives the individual time to finish the course, and then the reimbursement kicks in. So there's never an upfront payment by the student who is likely not in a position to pay upfront. That's a great example. And I think. Um, I think that students, when they hear that reimbursement, they don't want to go into, they just don't want another no. Uh, and that sometimes can come, obviously, with finances and costs. So, uh, you know, they're already telling themselves that I don't want to explore it and find out that I have to front money and I know I'm going to get it back, but I can't go out of pocket right now. So, that's yeah. a good example. A good example. And I, I'm glad, I hope others hear that because I think that these types of sharing, Sharing these types of things can give the university um, an opportunity to also look to see how how do how as a university do we uh, promote the opportunity to work with employers to make sure that someone knows. And I know a lot of universities have these policies where if we if there's a if there's a handwritten letter or a letter that's printed that you know that this money will be uh, fronted for that student or paid. That they'll let the students go ahead and start, but uh, getting that answer sometimes isn't as easily. Uh, you, it doesn't happen as easy as one might think. Um. And a lot of times, employers have you know traditionally used like their tuition benefits program as a recruiting tool, but then not mm -hmm. much is said about it once somebody becomes an employee. So employers are increasingly yeah, trying to figure that out. Like, how can I leverage that tuition benefit program, you know, as a strategic investment in my human capital so that I can solve my internal need for talent? But 
the greater good is that uh, those employees have an opportunity to, you know, finish their degree and move up in the company, those kinds of things. Right. Great example. So uh, what are some things right now that uh, Graduate Network is, is working on? So there's 30 centers, correct, right, in the United States right now, 30? Yes, we we are okay. at uh, close to 30. I think by the end of the year, there'll be about 30 centers. Uh, and each each one of them operates a little bit differently. Um, mm -hmm. Each one is backed by, um, for those of you who are familiar with the collective impact um, uh, models, each one is backed by a different kind of uh, backbone structure. It could be the chamber. It could be the mayor's office. It could be uh, some economic development entity. Uh, remember, this all comes at, at, at the work from an economic development uh, perspective. It's not necessarily higher ed. Um, and so um, different communities are experimenting with, uh, with different um, ways of, of doing this work. Um, and we are able, as a network, to share, share the learnings um, and see what works where. And then people can pick and choose and implement what they need. Okay. Now, we'll say that um, I recently just attended the advising summit that you all held here in Louisville, Kentucky. And um, there was a lot of great sharing there. Uh, uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the, I guess, highlights of the advising summit for you all, uh, professionals that pretty much put it on? And then on, I know that LearnX is coming up as well, and I, I'd love for you to explain to listeners what LearnX is as well. Uh, sure. I'll, so the advising summit, well, first of all, I want to say thank you to the Kresge Foundation who uh, funded um, uh, that, that conference. Um, it's the first one that we've done. Uh, we want to make it an annual convening. It was also the largest conference that we put on, which I think is really, um, you know, an indicator of how the network is growing. And so we were, we had over 100 attendees and they represented from 17 different states and 24 different communities. And so each of our, uh, we call them advisors or navigators, but these are really uh, neutral uh, coaches in the community that help adults figure out their best path um, back to and through post-secondary education. They brought with them their higher ed partners. So um, some of them were um, academic advisors from institutions in their location. And we all came together for a day and a half to you know, as Hadass said, learn and share with each other. And we had mm -hmm. some really cool panels um, about equity and inclusion, um, career connections. Um, we heard from um, a, an executive coaching expert, um, our friend Jeff Nally, who lives here in Louisville, and he gave us uh, some really, um, you know, I think uh, tangible information for our college coaches on how to use uh, brain, the science, neuroscience to, uh, as we say, nudge 
um, comebackers through the life cycle. So, you know, everything from lead generation to pre-enrollment activities to getting them enrolled in a program to helping them persist. So those are some highlights for me. That's a great point. I will say that I, um, as someone that works majority of on the enrollment end, hearing uh, from the uh, the different the different uh, meeting others that are in the enrollment field and then also advising and uh, learning more about those relationships and then there were some there are some great successes that I heard about uh, from you know entities in Mississippi uh, Tennessee and uh, some of those I've, I've, I've actually fallen up with and I, I hope to have on the show but there those are those types of so the next advising summit um, just to queue it up on here and We'll, uh, you know, have a link of Graduate Network in the show notes, but uh, definitely something that I think um, uh, the uh, many that work in higher ed could benefit from attending. And uh, so definitely something to check out. So LearnX is coming up in what, just a couple months, two months? Not, no, it's less than a month, Paul. <laughs> okay, oopsie. <laughs> so LearnX, what's going to be happening there? <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to have LearnX this year um, in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, they've got a, a lot of really important work uh, going on uh, there. Our friends at um, KC Degrees and KC Scholars. Um, and so the LearnX is an annual convening that's really focused on uh, the, di the director role in a community. So the advising summit was for the coaches who are providing the direct services to comebackers, LearnX is for uh, the leadership team. So uh, the kinds of topics that uh, we'll cover at LearnX are more, um, as I would say, around the thought leader role in a community. So sort of, you know, how do you continue to weave this work in a collective impact way into the fabric of your community? So how do you keep this um, you know, front and center attention to the mayor's office, the workforce board, the leaders of the education institutions, um, all of that stuff. And of course, the director also uh, works on the, uh, you know, the fundraising and the sustainability aspect of uh, keeping the community work going. So. Good stuff. So. Right now, what what do you? I'd like to hear a little bit. What, what are you all thinking about? Like, what's that vision, the future of Graduate Network as you continue to grow centers and uh, continue to pop up across the U.S. Uh, what 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 do you all see in the future? I, I, there's some great, and again, I'll put the Graduate Network's uh, website and contact information in the show notes for those that would like to see how they can get involved and learn more about uh, what they do and how they do it, but you all give me a, like a sneak preview of like what you see coming down the pipeline. Yeah, so one thing is we want to continue to grow the network because we know that there are uh, lots of communities, uh, regions and states who are, you know, absolutely addressing the comebacker population. So we want to continue to get everyone involved so that we can uh, share uh, you know, resources with one another. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel in our community. We can learn from each other. 
Um, we also want to continue to grow, you know, our uh, database of uh, comebackers. We have a uh, customized version of Salesforce we call the Comeback Tracker that all of our communities use. And then we we do um, twice annual um, National Student Clearinghouse. Uh, you know, we verify the data. We we download everybody's data. We run it through the National Student Clearinghouse, and then send it back to the communities. And from that information that we collect through the comeback tracker, which is the whole life cycle of that student, we're learning lots. Um, I think we have a sort of a unique um, bird's eye view of how an adult student moves between institutions. And we're learning a lot about the different uh, trigger points at each stage of the life cycle that can help us understand collectively how we um, help with persistence because you know the main thing here for us is completion so it's not right. just you know getting more adults back it's getting more adults through so, you know and I, I, I think what you've just added to is this this is not a this has been an ongoing uh, change culture change as as more some college no degree come back and uh, go to degree degree completion but uh, I'm gonna throw something out and see what you all think about this I was thinking about this the other day uh, just a pontification I was having and the, the numbers <laughs> that are out there are are quite large um, and and I'll turn I'll bring this back around you all need to see where I'm going but the, those numbers that are out there um, I think universities uh, have played a role in that number and I mean it as in they they haven't finished, um, but are we are universities that welcoming to the adult students? And what would be the call to action for a university to begin to look or and really just say, are we adult friendly? Are we non traditional friendly? What's been your all's experience with um, universities that you've worked with and consulted with? And then also, what what kind of call to action do you, would you all have um, as professionals in this industry that uh, to universities of what they could, where they could begin to take those steps to be more welcoming and accommodating to the adult student. Yeah, well, let's see. I don't think I have anything earth-shattering to say in that regard, okay. but, it, you know, it's a steady drumbeat, I think. We've got to, um, you know, just be more user-friendly or, you know, customer-focused. Um, it's breaking down silos between the financial aid office and the enrollment office, and then the, you know, the advising that happens. Um, I actually just, you know, my, um, I have a, a very uh, top of mind uh, story. My own uh, daughter is starting um, a graduate program and she, you know, she can't get anybody hardly to, even meet her in person and it's got you know the the can keeps getting kicked down the road with the uh you know the the advising sessions that you know now it's too late to add courses or drop courses and she's finding herself in a position where right. she's afraid she hasn't you know she's already wasted a couple of classes um and she you know the 
getting advice on the program that she wants to do in the specialty area. So it's, you know, I, I think universities are maybe, I, I don't know, are they short staffed in that area? Are they, you know, they think that some of this is intuitive to people on the user end and it's not. And, you know, here's my own daughter who this is my work <laughs> and, and we're having trouble. So I think that, you know, and that's one data point, but I think that institutions really have to look at the user experience and the customer journey and all of those things that, you know, acad academic people tend to have an allergy to, you know, a, um, a business way of thinking. But I, I, right. I think that would be my advice. One one more thing that we've noticed um, to to add to what Bridget is saying is that oftentimes college advisors um, are you know they sit in in an office behind doors uh, and and even that can be intimidating or they have business hours that don't work for adults or they're not versatile or not well versed in in what adults um, say so they'll say something well. Why don't you put that back balance on on a credit card, on your parents' credit card? You know mm -hmm. that that doesn't work for adults, many of whom don't even have credit cards, let alone savings accounts, right? Um, right. And so when when you're an adult and this is what you hear, you immediately shut down. You think this person doesn't get me, and you walk away. Um, and that's what we're trying to prevent um, with right. with the advising. The, the pre-enrollment and the advising that goes on after people enroll and we support them throughout, we try to get the comebackers um, accustomed to the culture. And at the same time, we're, we're trying to get the, the institution to change their culture so that they're more adult-friendly. Those are, those are both great points. And Bridget, I want to go back to something you said just about this. Is, you know, the, the intuition on the adult student side that some of, uh, some of the things that are in place, whether it's through digital technology and advancements and website changes, those are made and, and some, and you know, the consideration of, or the people that have assisted with that sometimes really don't know or didn't sit down with a focus group of adult students to see, to, can you navigate this? Um, and if you walk on any, you know, four-year university's campus, it's hard to navigate as well. Um, that's, that's a tough fix. Uh, there's a lot of different buildings on a lot of different campuses. But in the digital world, sometimes it's even more complicated. And I, I'll, I'll throw a call to action out here for anybody that's working at a university. To, to try to it just imagine yourself as an adult student trying to go back to school and try to inquire about going back to school during your lunch break or after five o'clock and, and see what happens at your own university. And that, I think you can learn a little bit about what the adult student is going to experience, the non-traditional student. Um, and uh, I think it's a good place to start. Uh, I, I think trying to enroll in your own school as an adult student, even if you already have a degree, you can just tell the enrollment folks that pay no attention to that and uh, see what that process is like. So kind of doing your own shopping. I don't, Know what you all think about that, but that's kind of where I, I, I think that a lot of folks can start looking at. I think that's a really great idea, and I've heard you, Paul, 
a couple of mm-hmm. different times. You've told me about how you do like the secret shopper thing with yeah. um I love doing trying that. to enroll <laughs> <laughs> trying to enroll in other programs, <laughs> which I think is I, hilarious, but really smart. Yes, I've had I've had admissions people tell me like we weren't sure if this was you or not. So it's like, oh, you'll never know. <laughs> you'll never know. But um and I've done the same with with graduate as well and um the uh it's a communication, it's a customer service thing, the front end customer service just to make sure that it's transparent and consistent for the adult student because you're not just enrolling that student you're not when you're working with a non-traditional student you're enrolling their employer their family their friends their spouse their partner there's a lot of people there in that person's corner that want to see them succeed and one of the things i believe a comebacker hates to do is share well i haven't heard back from them or or having to explain some barriers that have now appeared and um you know that's a sometimes a all they need to hear to, to put it back on the shelf for five to ten years so, yeah, I think that's that's, that's really no, I think it's really true. And then I also think that adults experience, you know, when they're talking to um, that office at the university, any pick an office, sometimes they 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 get the, the feeling that they're just not using the right words to explain the situation. And if there are these sort of cookie cutter answers that they get back and it's just. Um, a vicious circle of frustration and so it doesn't take many of those for them to say to just shrug and say yeah nothing's changed right I think with your community centers and what you all do and and even what I've heard at the devising summit uh, the good thing that uh, is a a solution that continue can that universities can take as well as get to know your students get to know them um so you can best assist them each adult student coming to the university has a story and there's a reason that they got there and there's a reason they stopped out and if you don't know what that is and don't take the time to know what that is it's going to be very difficult to assist them to navigate it might not even be within your university doors or another university door but if you don't know them you can't really do that in a genuine type of conversation i think conversations and communication are are just are key calling someone back and uh, being able to communicate uh, during the times and uh, the hours that they they can actually have a conversation as well. It's you're talking five or ten minutes sometimes just to answer a question, but that can change everything. So I I do appreciate you all being on here. Before we get off, I, I do want to know like uh, if there's anything else you'd like to to end with or uh, uh, promote or share, and uh, and then we can call the interview a wrap. <laughs> well, it's been really fun, Paul. Thanks for making this easy and uh, not too not too intimidating. It, it was no, good. you're um, pros. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can put my contact information up there too. That will be great. Um, okay. Yeah, our main focus right now is uh, is LearnX. So. Okay. Yes, you all are very busy right now. So you got LearnX, the end of the year. I'm sure there's some planning going on. Um, yes. It seems like you are constantly yes. busy. Yes, indeed. And we're the the other thing we've got going on is by the end of this year, we will have added um, seven 
additional communities to um, bridging the talent gap. So we're going to, my goal is to double our uh, database of employers by the end of the year. So that will put us at over 3,500 um, employers uh, that, that we, um, you know, have had some uh, working relationship with in terms of understanding how they're thinking about education and making um, education a piece of what they do for their employees. So stay tuned for that. Great, thanks. And uh, thank you, thank you again, Paul. Um, and um, as uh, as my colleague Bridget um, pointed out, and I'm going to point out the the other aspect of this. Um, you know, all all this work that we do um, needs to be sustained somehow. And so we're really grateful to the Lumina Foundation, to Kresge Foundation, to Trellis the Walmart Foundation, if I've missed anyone who was active in 2017 and 2018. Um, I apologize, all our communities chip in, uh, the colleges themselves, institutions of higher ed chip in, we have employer partners like Humana and Independence Blue Cross, uh, we have other employer partners across the network. This is really everyone coming together um, to, to solve this issue for this hitherto hidden population of adults with some college but no degree. And thank you, Paul, for shining a, a very bright light with your podcast on this. Thanks for tuning in to Reboot. Hey, if you got some value out of today's show, please don't forget to leave me a five-star review. As that assists me, bring this podcast to more who work in the enrollment management field, particularly those that work with the some college, no degree, and graduate students. Also, don't forget to check the show notes as I do have contact information for anyone that was on the show as well as for myself. Thanks for tuning in to Reboot and have a great rest of your day. 